All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a very special episode 105, our Halloween special, bringing you a spooky werewolf-filled spectacular, but that's later. Right now, I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. Bow ties are cool. Bow ties are cool. Werewolves are cool. Halloween is great. And we're going to and we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. Absolutely. And I think uh, something we talk about every year a little bit is that throughout our whole childhood, Steve and I threw out um, Halloween parties every year. Every year. Uh, and I held on to that tradition into college and into living in Atlanta for five years. And then it just kind of died down after that, which I'm sad about. So eventually in my later 30s, I'm going to bring back the tradition. I don't know. Halloween takes a lot of effort, man. It does. It does. A lot of effort. Like we did family costume this year. And while it started simple, once you get all the pieces and stuff together, man. Yeah. You guys were Ewoks, right? uh, Joyce and I were Ewoks. Anna was Princess Leia from Return of the Jedi. Nice. In the green like camo poncho outfit. Uh, yeah, and, and we, yeah, your parents, my parents cut, they too. cut holes in the shirts and put over their heads. <laughs> well, that's all my, that's all ours is. Really? Yeah. You guys had ears though, didn't you? Yeah, ours have ears. Theirs had ears. Oh, I didn't what do you see think the those ears pictures. on top of their heads were? I just saw the shirts. I couldn't see the ears on their heads. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's all ours are. We just made them very simple ones. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. Nah. Uh, but yeah, Halloween's a lot of, a lot of energy, man. It is, but it's fun once you get it right. It is. And it's like adult Christmas because I was thinking about it. It's one of the very few holidays that you're you're just you're not expected as an adult to spend it with your family, really. Yeah, it's true. You can just do it with your it's friends. It's not Thanksgiving and there's no obligation to it. Typically, it's like really your holiday. That's true. That's yeah. why adults keep celebrating it. Yeah. Uh, but what, what, what have you been up to since last we spoke? We had a pretty quick turnaround. We did because we really want to get something out for Halloween, which is uh, right now we're recording the night before Halloween. Hopefully it'll be out the day of. (laughs) That's the idea. Spooky. (laughs) But uh, I just been working my little butt off and my life has really taken a turn for the good um, because I didn't know how much I needed rigid structure in my life. And it's really hard as a freelancer. Uh, and so for several years now, I've been fledgling as a voice actor, um, always thinking I could do better and I knew I could do better, uh, but I didn't know how, I think I have the talent, I have the skills, the technical skills, but I just wasn't making it happen. So I got this schedule together where I want, I need to get in shape and I need to get my money on the line. So I have a rigid schedule from minute to minute of what I do during the day. And it's helped me so much. And I've like quadrupled my income. <laughs> Wow, and it's amazing. It was that simple, just a matter of really putting the work in and really just putting my butt to the grindstone. And for me, this is the weirdest part. I don't know if any listeners out there are like this, but I'm very OCD, very clean. And living home alone most of the time, my girlfriend lives mostly in Marco Island. She comes home for the weekends for her work. And so I would just clean all the time compulsively. Like, 
oh, well, I'll, I'll get to work later. I need to clean the oven first or I need to vacuum the floors. And we had pets and stuff. So I was keeping the house clean all the time. So now what I did was I just turned that part of my brain off and said once a week, I have this many hours to clean the house. After that, I do not clean at all. <laughs> Unless okay. there's a guest coming over or something, just don't clean. And that alone and taking away a lot of Facebook time has made my work ethic so much better. And I'm getting the auditions out there, getting the jobs. And mostly it's a lot of corporate narration, which is basically product videos and that kind of thing. That's the main bread and butter. But I've already. Yeah, gotten- I mean, as a, a small time, as somebody who looked at and considered being a small time actor. Yeah. For a while after college, that's where the money is. That's where the steady money is. It's corporate gigs and HR training videos. Yeah, for on camera too. That's true. Yeah, that's where the that's where the the little the little actor money is. And then probably one out of every twenty jobs I do will be like a video game, an independent video game, that kind of thing, or animation, small animation, which is the fun bread and stuff I love that gets me creative juices flowing. But I try to make the other characters in the corporate videos some kind of character as well in my mind, so it makes it more entertaining. Yeah, but, you know, and the other thing is work begets work. It does, and eventually these these clients come back to you for their next video, so you build a client base, and that's the idea. So I'm going to use the money I make to eventually make a more professional demo and then just pursue things that way. So that's really what the past week's been all about, and I'm happy with the results so far, so I'm excited for the future. It's exciting. Well, good for you. Yeah, so what, what have you been up to in the short amount of time we haven't seen each other? Uh, well, we had part two of Parent Visit. That's right. They came for 12 days total. When awesome. we recorded last, they were in San Fran, I think. Mm-hmm. Did a couple days there, and then I worked a few days. And then Friday night, we went up to other grandma's house, Anna's mom's house, met them there, spent the night, and then the next day went out to wine country, which is not that far from Anna's mom's place. Nice. And we went to Sonoma and hit downtown Sonoma, which has a lot of nice tasting rooms and shops and restaurants. Lovely park for the kids. And then we went to a tasting room and just had a lovely afternoon. Came back and then Sunday morning came back to San Jose. Uh, Mom mom and dad went and rested up. We rested up because that evening we went to a huge Halloween event. uh, One small town over in Campbell. uh, That was just overwhelming and incredible. Like a festival kind of thing? It was was, uh, trick-or-treating at storefronts for kids. Nice. Yeah, but it was, I think Anna went last year and she said it was like four times more people this year. It was incredible. Wow. Like everyone, we were so overwhelmed. You'll be going every year now. So overwhelmed. Maybe, man. We'll go with a different strategy. We'll go with like a (laughs) shock and awe, get in, get out kind of strategy next time. It was overwhelming. It was just so, I mean, it was just packed. Like we go to a Sunday market at that town that's pretty full. And this was something else compared to that. I guess the secret's out. Yeah, it is. Everybody's going to Campbell. <laughs> Interesting. And now all of our listeners will know, too. God damn it, Steve. Oh, all of our UK listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then uh, we did, I went to work on Monday, came back, we did a nice dinner with mom and dad, and they left yesterday morning. Yeah, this is our, literally our no, one day to record for- uh, No, they, they, they left this morning. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> it's a whirlwind. Uh, are you yeah, exhausted from all we, the fun? Uh, I mean, not exhausted, but there's when you ever you get out of your normal schedule, it just always takes more energy. And yeah, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to get back on my schedule. And how's the back doing? Your back went out not long ago. Oh, I haven't had trouble with it since I had a small reoccurrence about five days after the initial one where I just I reached to tuck in the bed and hurt myself again. Mm. Um, and they had nothing since, though. 
Nice. Mine, mine too. I, my back went out similar time to yours and it's been good ever since. Well, me losing weight and like walking a lot more has also helped a, sh- a ton. So I'm For also sure. doing some active things to make myself less awful. <laughs> That's the idea in life is the goal is just to make yourself less awful. <laughs> uh, there's a family guy moment where uh, the new dog looks at Meg and says, Meg, I'm going to make you a little less gross each day. <laughs> Also, it remind me of someone on Instagram posted today something kind of sad. There was like, it's hard to love anyone else when I can't love myself when I see myself in the mirror or I see my reflection in the mirror. And I, I was thinking to myself, well, change your reflection. <laughs> it's, it's It sounds simple, but it's actually true. It's like you got to do something to change that so you like your reflection. Get a haircut, yeah, either, do different makeup. Either that or, or mirrors are breakable. <laughs> break the mirrors. Just break mirrors. <laughs> but you got to change something. You just can't... Uh, Doing the same thing over and over again. Definition of insanity. That fake quote that they attribute In to In case everybody. of ugliness, break glass. <laughs> case of ugliness emergency, break glass. Uh, sort it well, out think, later. I think that's a good segue into some nerd news. Some nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. Right, so to stay in the Halloween theme, I picked a, a story about some a creepy crawly, uh, and uh, I've named my story because last week I was listening and I didn't even try. <laughs> you're sounded, you were very tired last week. You should be tired this week, but you sounded more tired last week. Yeah, I'm somehow doing okay right now. Uh, so my cheeky title is "It's a Snake Eat Snake World Out There." <laughs> oh God! Uh, so uh, in Africa, there's the Cape Cobra. And uh, this scientific team went down to study Cape Cobras and how they relate to the species of ground bird uh, that's everywhere down there and and the relationship they have and how they predate and stuff like that. But what they ended up studying and finding was that uh, Cape Cobras have have much higher rates of self-cannibalism. Self-cannibalism. That uh, not so uh, as far as self-species, oh, okay. same species, inter, same species cannibalism, cobra on cobra crime. So not auto cannibalism. No, not auto cannibalism. Gotcha. Uh, but um, so the, this team ended up getting called because they said two cape cobras are fighting, and by the time they got there, one had eaten the other. So between that and doing all these dissections, they kept finding cape cobras with cape cobras inside of them. Mm. Um, so they pulled records about eating, uh, eating habits from all these different snakes and found that in a, a large percentage of them, uh, you know, snakes eating other snakes was really common where other snakes actually made up anywhere from 12 to like almost 50% of their diets eating other snakes, but eating snakes from the same species is extremely low and extremely rare. And so they basically established that Cape Cobras are doing it at a much higher rate creepy than other snake species even other snake species that eat snakes hmm. uh, and the first one that they caught that uh, they confirmed ate another cape cobra they named Hannibal <laughs> very appropriate very very appropriate uh, so that is it's a snake eat snake world out there that's pretty gross that's appropriate for yeah. Halloween Yeah. <laughs> so mine is uh, not Halloween related but I did have a name for it and it's terrible, just like yours. Ooh, I'm excited. What's up with Game of Thrones? 
So that's because oh, I can't wait for this. Naomi Watts. That's why it's Watts up with Game of Thrones. Naomi Watts is going to be in a new Game of Thrones prequel TV show. So this TV show takes place thousands of years before the current show. And apparently, according to them, it chronicles the world's descent from the golden age of heroes into its darkest hour, whatever that means. Um, and they say she plays a charismatic socialite hiding a dark secret as the lead of the show. Ooh. But we don't know anything else about it yet. But that Naomi Watts, big time actress, uh, she's going to be the lead in the show. And HBO's got money to throw. They certainly do nowadays. Absolutely. They got the rock on the show, for God's sake. So I'm just excited that the Game of Thrones universe will continue to live. Oh, yeah. They I mean, they had so many shows they're talking about throwing out there. So this is one of the many that may be happening. Uh, this one's definitely going forward. Um, but could be interesting seeing the world thousands of years ago before the fall of all these giant kingdoms where they were all really powerful with big heroes and stuff and probably dragons flying around everywhere. I don't know. So it'll be interesting. Oh, man. Uh, well, that's exciting. Something to look forward to. Just going full fantasy. <laughs> So today in Copycat Cinema, as we mentioned, we will be comparing uh, 1981 werewolf classics, The Howling, and An American Werewolf in London. Uh, for that, to get us in the werewolf mindset, I've prepared a, uh, a bunch of information for you, for any of you who are not up on werewolf facts and mythology. And in, to celebrate that, we'll play a little bit of this song. So th werewolves through mythology and history have all sorts of different origins. And I'm going to talk about only three of them, but there were tons, tons hmm. uh, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which I think most of us had to read at some point. Um, Gilgamesh actually rejects a woman because she was known to have turned her last husband into a wolf. Interesting. Uh, in Greek mythology, there was a, a, king an arcadian king called lysoen or lycoen uh who tried to test zeus to see if zeus was really all-knowing and all-seeing so he tried to trick zeus into eating human flesh okay zeus figured it out was pretty mad uh and turned uh lycoen and all of his offspring into wolves hence lycanthropy possibly yeah there's certainly some some naming stuff there it's similar uh, and then in Nordic mythology, uh, there was a father-son duo who found these magic wolf pelts. And when they put them on, they turned into wolves for 10 days. And they went on a huge hunting and killing spree. And in the end, their their wildness got the best of them. And the father as a wolf ended up attacking the son as a wolf. And they were damned forever. It was, it was a great time. Great time. Interesting. Um, but um, so that's, that's mythology. But from a historical point of view, werewolves um, have been sort of in the consciousness since the 16, 15, late 1500s, early 1600s. Um, werewolves were, were seen and lycanthropy and more in general was seen as a form of witchcraft. And so it got rolled into the witch trials that swept Europe in the uh, 1600s, 1700s, and then died out in the 1800s. Uh, but that for that, werewolves was a much more general term and lycanthropy was a much more general term that meant uh, either a wolf riding, becoming a wolf or wolf whispering <laughs> wolf related stuff. Yeah, just any if you were seen near a wolf, you were a lycanthrope. I've seen Stephen with the wolf. 
Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much exactly what happened. This became huge, mostly in French and German-speaking parts of Europe. Um, and one of the most famous cases that came out of this was in 1651 with somebody who since that time has just become known as the case of Hans the werewolf. <laughs> nice. Just, just Hans the werewolf. I feel like his name was probably working against him on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets accused of being a werewolf at the age of 18. Just like every other wish trial, they torture him until he admits to something. He admits that he's been turning into a wolf and hunting for two years. So then they torture him until he tells them where he got it. And he says, a man in black gave me this ability. So now all of a sudden he's doing deals with the devil. Mm-hmm. So then they ask him, do you think that you left your body and went and your, your soul went into a wolf or did you become a wolf? And he said, well, I think I became a wolf because I've got a bite on my leg from when I was a wolf and I still have it. And so they were like, well, magical transformation because of the devil, which, and they burned him. Um, <laughs> People were smart uh, back then. Similar to which his burning was pretty much the solution for everything. <laughs> God. Um, so we're, werewolves, uh, they, they say that, that there's different ways of spotting them. So just in case you're out in the, out in the wild, you can spot a person who's a werewolf uh, because they have unibrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got curly fingernails, low, low set ears, and they've got a big swinging stride when they walk. I see things, things that werewolves can't even hide when they're human. So they're all Pitbull, the rapper. Kind of. Yes. <laughs> yes. They all have swag. swag. Um, there's uh, plenty of different ways of changing that have come over the years uh, some say it's like an ointment or a potion there's the pelt thing where they put on pelts and turn into wolves and then they they hide the pelts during the day um, some it's that you have to be bitten um, and and of course something that's sort of become more recent and mostly emphasized by Hollywood is the the transformation during the full moon right uh, but in folklore for the most part and in you know history the way they're accounted is that werewolves are indistinguishable from wolves larger more ferocious but they're not the man wolf hybrids that we know that is almost purely an invention of hollywood interesting uh because they had to put an actor in the character and make the audience care about them ah make them more sympathetic <laughs> right and, and give it so that's how you get things like the wolfman and um the werewolves that we know now as these sort of half human beasts but in you know in mythology and stuff, they're they they're just wolves. They're wolves. That kind of makes it sad less interesting that we've changed it so much just with Hollywood. Yeah. Sad. Um sad. so that's just a little bit of uh, a background on werewolves, where they're where they're coming from. Oh <laughs> what's up with that? Uh, <laughs> um and get us in the mood to talk about the classics, the howling and an American werewolf in London. <laughs> you had too much fun preparing for this episode Charlie. <laughs> it was it was easy <laughs> now um we will say that for some reason the director john uh john landis did not use that song in the movie american werewolf in london just too on the nose i guess so yeah but yeah it was it's 1978 it came out that song and then 81 was the movie so he could have used it but I don't know. We'll talk about that later. What a fool. What a fool. 
Indeed. Uh, so we have two movies, both made in 81, both about werewolves. Um, and both are, have some, some good similarities, I think. Right. At first, I thought this would be like a very loose-fitting copycat cinema, but there was more similarities to them than I thought, and both 1981, so it was worth it. Yeah. Uh, I think similarities, of course, they're both about werewolves. Well, there is that. <laughs> uh, they both get a little bit further into sort of the, the background of werewolves and where they come from, kind of. Right. Um, they both have little- porn theaters involved. They do both have porn theaters involved. You're absolutely Just right. Really weird connection. Uh, both movies have some really great, like graphic gore. Yes, that's true. Kind of spread throughout some really good effects throughout. Um, both, both have, have oh. similar, similar transformations in some of the techniques that were used and some of the visuals. And both have a community that has keep is keeping the secret of werewolves in their community. Oh, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Uh, and both end with someone getting shot. A lot of people get in chat. Well, well one yeah. <laughs> Only one person gets shot in one of them. <laughs> and I will say that uh, one movie has a Star Trek connection. The other one has a pretty solid uh, Muppets connection. Yes, it does. We usually point out in these movies that we yeah. review. Uh so do you want to go through American Werewolf in London first or The Howling first, German? Well, I guess we'll quickly say what those connections were, if you don't mind. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't sure if we'd talk about what we go through. All right. <laughs> well, just so I don't forget, uh, the Star Trek connection in The Howling is Robert Picardo in his first feature film. He played yeah. the doctor in uh, Voyager, the hologram. That's he didn't have a name. But in this one, he plays like the main serial killer uh, guy, mostly in makeup the whole movie. And he was pissed yeah. off because he had just gotten out of like Yale theater school and he has like no time on screen with his face showing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this was his first big Hollywood film debut. Yeah. And he did lots of great stuff since then. And what's the Muppets connection? Uh, Muppets connection is Frank Oz shows up and plays the kid's doctor from home or lawyer or something. It's I never a, like the it. American embassy representative. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's there on behalf of his parents to, to look after him for American werewolf in London. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, Frank Oz who played Fozzie bear and miss piggy and Yoda and everyone you love. Um, yeah, good, good connections from both. Well, and they had to, they show Muppets playing on in the movie. (laughs) Oh yeah, they do. Yep. Which we can talk about more later. Bam. Oh yeah. So American werewolf in London, I'm here to defend this movie and why it's better than the howling. Ooh. Uh, so American Werewolf from London, just with dialogue alone, felt more natural. You could easily follow it. Uh, it was great. But I forgot our, our thing we do here, which we actually go through the movie first and talk about. Yeah, we actually talked about it. It's like, wow, yes. he's going rogue. He's going rogue. But that's okay, because that was, that was one of my first notes of the movie. So it kind of goes along with that. Because that's true. as soon as the movie opens, we see um, these two American travelers, uh, college guys, who are going on a long trip, three-month trip through Europe. Uh, but they, we see them in the back of a wagon car- carrying a bunch of sheep because they're making their way to the English countryside. And they're let out to just kind of find their next destination and walk. But their dialogue starting off the movie was just like, oh, wow, this is going to be a lot better than the other movie. <laughs> just more <laughs> solid acting, just better dialogue, everything. Um, but they go along and they finally found a town nearby uh, with a pub. They want to stop in and get a drink and stay warm and get some food. But as soon as they walk in, everyone's acting real weird. They're like, why are they in here? Uh, it's called the um, slaughtered lamb. I think it's called with a big yeah, picture of a so. wolf on on the 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 
placard for the pub. And, Foreshadowing. Yeah. And even the guys even like, what kind of ad is that for a pub? Because it's really gory and gross looking. Um, and they have a pentagram in the pub and uh, they're acting really strange. And they ask about the pentagram and they say they need to leave. And as soon as they go out, the people in the pub are just like, we can't let them go out there alone. They'll die. And it's murder if we send them out there. <laughs> and But they let them go. And they say, so just, I kind of I kind of didn't feel bad about that guy getting murdered because uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. You're right. The pub guys were acting weird at first, but at the end, they were telling jokes and joking with them and everyone was laughing and kind of having a good time. And then the two Americans went and ruined it. Yeah. And they were like, what's that all about? It's like, oh, man, you had to ask and, about the pentagram. And not only that, the friend like kind of knew he was going to ruin things. Yeah. By asking. <laughs> right, right, right. Like you could kind of see he knew what was going to go down. Otherwise. Yeah, and so I didn't feel that bad when they got kicked out. And they said, stay on the roads. Don't go in the moors. And they immediately leave the roads for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> Wander off the roads. Go into the moors. <laughs> and then they start getting stalked by this werewolf. And his friend gets mauled and killed. And, and like mauled hard. Yeah, it's gory. It's pretty gory. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he gets attacked, but bitten. And then the the villagers get a conscience. They show up at the last minute and shoot the werewolf they and shoot kill it. And the werewolf turns back into a human, right? Right. And the gore uh, in this movie, we have to say the director made this as a horror movie, but people thought it was going to be a comedy because they advertise as the director of Animal House. And then people go to see it. and They're like, oh, my God, the gore is terrible. These people walked out of the movie. And there certainly is some comedy and some very comedic elements throughout. Yeah. But this is very much... Uh, a horror film kind of at its core. I got some great laughs of this film though. There are good laughs. Um, so I like the best friend though. I, I was liking his character and I was really sad when he suddenly dies. Um, but so the guy goes to the hospital, the one who survived, they sent him to the hospital in London without an explanation. Uh, they tended his wounds before he got there. They said he was attacked by a madman. So they have this very serious British doctor who comes to see him and a very, very cute nurse who's attending to him. Um, <laughs> yes, they, they, that's when the Frank Oz shows up. They have the representative from the American embassy coming to talk to him and they tell him his friend died. Uh, he freaks out and Frank Oz is a really funny moment. Just being like, why are you freaking out? Calm down. <laughs> just, just, Yeah. Here's uh, God bless his heart. He does some great characters, but him playing himself is not always the best Frank Oz. No, but it was a good moment. I enjoyed it. I, I don't know. It felt so to be shocked a little bit, but he, the carryover of like, your friend is just dead. I don't know what what's wrong with you. Like in the movie, maybe he had to improvise too long or something. Maybe there wasn't enough lines to fill it. And so it just got weird. That's true. It was a little awkward timing. I guess it just, it just felt strange. Like this man's been mauled. His best friend is dead. And he's like telling him to chill repeatedly. Yeah, I like, thought it was a little compassion. Uh, <laughs> but then the funny part is the Scotland yard comes in to talk to the doctor about what happened. Um, and I love this cause there's like a really veteran Scotland yard detective and he's there with like the rookie and this rookie guy is just like the bumbling idiot keeps knocking things over kind of like a Chevy chase kind of character. Um, yeah. and his interaction with the doctor and he like knocks over like his bedpans. They'd spend like f- three minutes, like him picking up the bedpans noisily and just being quiet, watching him slowly pick them up. And I was, I was cracking up during and, get, and get them restacked in the right order. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the phone before that, the doctor's just like talking to this. It's like, tell this person I'm someone's trying to see him. And he's like, tell him I'm dead. I, I, I'm no longer alive. Just tell him that. It's just like, it's a really random, really funny scene in this movie. <laughs> uh, but then the, the guy starts having nightmares that was bitten. Uh, really freakish, weird nightmares. Uh, one involving a bunch of Nazi wolfmen people dressed in like SS uniforms, killing his yeah. family. <laughs> yeah, that was the weirdest one. 
I don't understand the connection there, but it, it, if anything, it feels like a weird step out of the film. It does. And it weirded people out too in test audiences, apparently they said too. But um like they brutally murder his like kid sister and brother and his parents. Oh, everyone gets shot, there's blood everywhere, they're flipping the house. Like it's hardcore. And he thinks he wakes up and he sees the cute nurse, and then someone breaks through the window and it's the Nazi wolf guy and he shoots her to death too, and then he wakes up for real. Uh but man, that was that was out of place. It was weird. But he's basically better, and he's they're trying to convince him to act normal so he can be checked out. Uh, the nurse decides because she likes him, so she takes him to her house to stay because he has nowhere to go. Um, but what I liked about that was the nurse. Uh, as soon as he gets home, he's like, "Oh, there's only one bed," and he, she's like, "Well, to be honest with you, I find you attractive. I've only got this many sexual partners, and let's do this." And so she basically <laughs> tells him, "Let's fuck." Well, her English isn't great, so she needs to be direct. <laughs> English. She's American. She's English. Shh. <laughs> but I really like that. It was just like no nonsense. Not your normal character like that where he had to seduce her. She was just like, well, I kind of want to fuck. So let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So at this point in the movie, though, it's like, you know, I don't know, fourth, third of the way through. And yeah. I'm feeling like the lead actor is, is kind of dumb and not very good. Uh, yeah, he kind of isn't very good, but then he kind of grows on me throughout the movie. He gets, I think he gets better later on. Um, but yeah, he's not wonderful by no means. Uh, yeah. So he continues to have what dreams and visions and running he ends through the woods. Going on a rampage at one point. Yeah. Eventually and, he, the, she leaves to go to work until midnight, but then the full moon comes out. Oh, and before that, suddenly his friend comes back as this cadaver covered oh, yeah. in blood saying hey man i'm still here i'm in limbo and i can't go you know move on until you are dead because you're the one who like you know you're the last line of the werewolves or something so right he says you need to kill yourself and he's like i'm not gonna kill myself he doesn't believe him i'm not gonna attack anyone he's like i'm just going insane that's what's happening right now so when she goes to work full moon happens we have the legendary transformation scene of him transforming into a werewolf uh true very good it's been it won an academy award actually the first academy award for um for makeup effects they made it in 1981 this was the first one to win it for rick baker wow um and then it was really cool because i i what i liked about it we'll talk about the howling later but this one just moved forward it like it happened at a pretty fast you weren't waiting for like an hour for this to finish <laughs> um but he turns to the wolf he goes out and kills a bunch of british people um comes back and they hear about it on the news uh they can't find him turns out he's naked in a the cage in the zoo with wolves um <laughs> and he's like he doesn't remember anything uh and apparently he steals they, a balloon and a trench coat and runs off and gets on the subway yeah his first instinct is to approach a child and steal balloons from a child as a naked grown man <laughs> i'm like you don't know that's not a good idea <laughs> uh yeah so it was good. Uh, they he pushed child. Uh, then he um he finally meets up with her again, uh, and she tries to convince him to go see the doctor. He feels super guilty. He tries to get himself arrested at one point. Yeah, because once he figures out the murders happens, he knows it was him, and he tries to get himself arrested, insulting a police a police officer, Bobby, and he's, he's he refuses to arrest him. He thinks he's crazy. Um, so he runs away from her. Somehow ends up in a porn theater because his friend waves him over the dead guys who's now rotting even more. I thought that was a great idea that they're making him rot throughout the movie more and more. Um, and so once in the porn theater, there's a hilarious porno movie playing where 
they're having sex and this guy walks in and he's like, what the fuck you do with my, with, with him? And it's, it's like, what do, you, what do you guys do? I told you never do this again. And the guy says in the bed, he's like, I, I, I didn't mean to do it or something like that. But the woman says, I've never seen you before. And he's like, oh, sorry, wrong room. And he goes out. I don't know. I didn't do it justice, but it was really funny. <laughs> Um, but then the ghost friend shows him all the people that he killed last night are now with him in limbo as well. And they're all telling him different ways to kill himself, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the ghosts really are the kind of the, the comic foil of the, the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. But then in the middle of the theater, he turns into a wolf again. Uh, and he's on a rampage, mauls some more people. The police try to barricade him into the theater. Uh, but he starts to break out and that actually they didn't tell the public that that was happening because they wanted honest reactions. So the, okay. the police were actors, but then they didn't. And so when the wolf actually pops out of the wall, that was honest reactions from the crowd, seeing that wolf coming out of the wall. Wow. Uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but then once he breaks out in the middle of Piccadilly's circus, that area of, of England, everyone just crashes their cars terribly. And I wrote down, everyone's brakes are horrible because <laughs> they all just yeah. die miserably by flying out of their cars. You see the gore and stuff for them being killed and run over by cars. And well, he's it's like, before <laughs> it's before anti-lock brakes. Don't worry about it. Yes, it was really bad. Uh, so they chase him down to an alley where he's blocked in and he can't go anywhere as the wolf. And. Finally, the nurse His girlfriend and the doctor show up, right? She tries to like talk him down and they have this moment where they connect and he makes one final lunge and the police shoot him down and they come closer. They see he's dead and he's human. Um, so what's uh, an interesting fan theory is that he never really was a wolf and that he was just crazy and that he was, that's just the way he saw himself. Um, mm since no one ever sees him change once he's dead. So it's like, eh, but earlier on the cats are afraid of him. Dogs are afraid of him. And I don't know. I think there's some real terror from people in the subway that he's chasing down. Like, I think he really was a wolf. I think that's kind of bullshit. True. And plus he was in the wolf pen, not being bothered by the wolves, which also that's true. That's mean something. Yeah. So that is the straightforward description of what happens in American werewolf in London. It's pretty, pretty step by step. All right, so now that we're done with that terrible thing, let's talk about The Howling. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Howling, directed by one of my all-time favorites, Joe Dante, director of Gremlins and Gremlins 2. We'll forgive him for this one. <laughs> oh, man, this one's just as good. He's got all of his good luck charms in it, a lot of good stuff. Oh, um, so it starts with um, the, the protagonist whose name I'm literally just completely forgetting right now. Oh, what's her name? D. Wallace. Karen. I know her actress. The actress name. Karen. There we go. Yeah, uh, she is a famous news reporter. Um, she's covering the story of the serial killer, but the serial killer knows who she is and is clearly obsessed with her. Uh, the, the serial killer tells her to come meet him, and it ends up it's at a porno theater, as we mentioned. <laughs> yeah, uh, and she goes, and the cops who had a wire on her lose track of her, and the the killer, I think his name's Eddie, is yeah. there. Uh, and she turns around and she sees him supposedly as a werewolf or she sees something that disturbs her terribly. Um, and just as he's about to get her, the police come in, they shoot him. He dies, turns back into a human. So they just think she was attacked by some crazy guy. Um, and she tries to go back to work. Uh, she has like a mental breakdown on the air. She just can't trying talk. to recount this. She can't talk about it. Um, and basically gets sent to the therapist. A celebrity therapist who they had on TV not long ago. 
on their yeah who's who just wrote like a famous book about how man and man is really just animalistic urges and stuff like that i think right basically um so he recommends that she goes to this place called the colony which is a retreat center camp that he helps to run to help people clear their heads and find clarity and relax and uh so she goes there with her husband um and this is when the movie really takes off. <laughs> You're so convincing. So they get to the camp. Uh, clearly something is up with all the people there. They're all very weird. <laughs> yeah. Like one's kind of like a simpleton inbred kind of one's an over-sexualized woman who you only see wearing leather. She the wears the same film. outfit the whole time. A lot of cleavage. Um, and yeah, D. Wallace starts, they start hearing scary things at night and um, they, they know something's just not quite right at the colony. And the B story uh, is there are two young journalists yeah, who are together uh, who are researching her somehow. How did they get involved? I can't remember. <laughs> I think that they're producers from her thing and they are putting together this story on Eddie the killer. Right, so they go to Eddie's while, house while she's recovering. They see all these pictures at Eddie's house of like people looking like wolves and strange newspaper clippings and stuff, and a painting of a, of, a, of a landscape that they don't recognize. Yeah, um, so they find out that his last name was Quist. Then they go to a bookstore and um, they do some research because they find all these werewolf drawings run by a New York mob boss. <laughs> really great casting there. Uh, Mr. Futterman. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Dick Miller. He's, he's a classic Hollywood actor from like the, the black and white era. Oh yeah. Um, and he's one of Joe Dante's good luck charms that makes it into all his films. That's right. Um, that's right. There's a couple of those actually. <laughs> um, and that's when they literally load the gun for the, the last act when they literally show a big box of silver bullets. Right. In the store, in the store claiming that someone bought them that never came back and paid for them. And he's like, do you believe in all this stuff? And he's like, hey, it makes money. I sell books, whatever. You know, no big deal. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the colony, D. Wallace is having these scary dreams. And she can't, every time she tries to remember what happened or what she saw, she has these terrors and these flashes. Her Things between her and her husband are strained. He ends up getting invited out to go on a hunt, uh, despite the fact that he's a vegetarian. Right. And he shoots some rabbits. And then he goes and the kind of messed up. Not right inbred guys like go in and my sister will cook them for you. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Go in there at that cabin. She'll cook them for you. All right. Um, so <laughs> he goes in and she cuts the feet off the rabbit and then immediately tries to bone him. Yep. And he finally shoves her away after making out with her for about 2.5 seconds. Finally shoves her away uh, and then leaves. But while he's in the woods wa- wandering back, he gets attacked pretty good. Yep. Uh, and so now he is in theory a werewolf or becoming a werewolf. And that's mostly the rest of his plot is him becoming a werewolf. Right. I don't remember his name either. John, Bill, Bob, something. He looks like a mustachioed, like ex football player from high school. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so th- meanwhile, the, the two like sub journalists find out that their name is Quist and they connect that to the colony. So they go at where, you know, DR D Wallace happens to be, uh, they head out there and that's when she's looking at a drawing that they took from Eddie's room and she realizes it's a landscape she's looking at. So he definitely was at the colony and she finds his cabin with his view. 
And that's where she is then attacked by a werewolf, which she cuts the hand off of. Which we find out later was the inbred dude. Was the inbred redneck guy. Right. But basically it was like a red herring to make you like, oh, there's more than one werewolf. Ooh. <laughs> uh, uh, eventually man, the, is- the guy, the, the Joe Bob, whatever his name. Yeah, uh, Joe Bob. He goes called out into the woods in his bathrobe. And he realizes he's being called by the lady in leather and to have sex with her. So they take off their clothes in front of a big fire and have a really long, awkward sex scene, uh, which ends in 2D special effects of them turning into wolves. <laughs> yeah. Joe Dante uh, talks about how it's like one of his most regretted things. And they just ran out of money. <laughs> it's like, so bad. <laughs> like, that's all there was to it. He just ran out of money. Yeah, that's all. That's <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's when Karen and Bill Bob's relationship <laughs> falls apart because she sees scratches on his back and he had sex with the wolf lady. How could you? And he slaps her across the face. He backhands her. Yeah. And that's just to make you not feel bad about him, basically. Right. <laughs> um, and so that is when the subplot, the sub reporter, the f- female goes to the doctor's office and finds Quiss file. And just as she's about to uncover some huge piece of information and pass it back to the other guy over the phone, oh no, the werewolf's there. And, and the werewolf, so, he does, but it is the most longest drawn out <laughs> chase in a six foot by six foot room that you have ever seen. Also, that's the long, huge, long transformation scene that took an hour. So he stands in front of her. Uh- Turning into a werewolf. Oh, no, 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 that's, that's next. That's, that's oh, that is D-Loss. next. You're right. You're right. So he starts and then kills her. Uh, <laughs> so bad. But like chases her in this room for like four minutes of film. Right. <laughs> chases a woman in like a 12 by 12 room. That's where your budget went. Um, yeah, that's where the budget went. Um, that room was actually Joe Dante's office, which we'll talk about in a second. So then D. Wallace comes in, finds her friend dead, and then bam, Eddie for the short time you get to see him as Robert Picardo is there. Right. Uh, and then starts his transformation into a werewolf. And this is what Jarman was talking about. Uh, it's like six minutes long. It's all in close up because Joe Dante literally ran out of budget. So they only had his office to film in. <laughs> they had no more sets. They just had cameras in the makeup that they had already purchased. So they had to use his office, which was that doctor's office redressed. And so you just Uh, stare at this wolf face for like 13 minutes and bubbles. And then the snout comes out like six times. I know it's like, did it retract again? What just happened? Yeah. It went back in It got shy. It got shy. (laughs) Hate when that happens. Hey, it's cold in that room. So she watches the transform at any moment. She could have escaped. Right, I was saying she's waiting there just for it to transform painfully in front of her. Right. Uh, and then as it approaches her, that's when she realizes there's just a jar of acid behind her. Yep. Just a jar of acid. Throws a jar of acid, makes a run for it like you do. Uh, she heads back to the colony. Is that right? Right. Uh, I don't remember why. Where she went to go run to. Oh, God, this is all terrible. <laughs> so she ends up back at the colony. Let's just say it. Continuity. She ends up back at the col- colony. Uh, 
they basically reveal that they are all werewolves, including the doctor that wrote that book and founded the colony. Right. But that's when they bring in this weird subplot that there's like dissent against the doctor. Because he wants to assimilate with humans and they don't. And they want to be themselves and be wild and be free. And it's just, it's a weird plot to introduce in the last four minutes of the film. (laughs) And so the, uh, the young journalist who was like her producer guy, was looking for his girlfriend, finds out she's dead. And so he tries to find Karen and finds her out in the, with his uh, bullets. Now, he bought the silver bullets from the store. He went back, grabbed the silver bullets from Dick Miller. Uh, <laughs> went back to the, and then they're like, yeah, what are you going to do? Shoot us? And then he shoots them. And they're surprised that it kills uh, one of them. She's like, oh, crap, he must have silver bullets. Well, the best part is it kills one of them. And the other one's like, he doesn't have silver bullets. <laughs> and then he gets shot, too. Yeah. That was real good. And then the doctor real, approaches. Real and he's like, oh, thank God, because he, he wants to die. So he gets shot by the sword, but which is really stupid. Uh, right. Uh, and then they, they force all the werewolves back into the barn and then they light it on fire. And you get to see a bunch of werewolves try to break through walls and snouts coming and they're trying to escape fire. Uh, they run to the car. They get in. They they He floods the engine like an idiot and they can't start it. <laughs> And then you get like, and then all these werewolves attack the car. That's pretty cool. And they, and they barely escape. Um, but just as they're getting away, one gets in and bites Karen. Mm -hmm. And she is now cursed as a werewolf. So they go back. She says she's ready to go back to work. She goes back on the news and it basically says there's a secret society of werewolves living amongst us. And that she has proof, and then she proceeds to transform into a werewolf on television. She transforms into a teddy bear version of a werewolf. <laughs> it looked so weird. Yeah, it, there was definitely some visual errors with what happened. <laughs> uh, and then the guy, uh, the the producer, shoots her and kills her. Right. Uh, and then that is basically the end of the howling. And then it cuts to a restaurant where they're watching the news as it happens. And it pans oh, over, right. and a guy orders uh, a f- burger uh, for the lady uh, on the corner. <laughs> how do you want that cooked, honey? And then it cuts over, and it's the, the leather lady. She goes, rare. And so the credit sequence are over a burger cooking very close up. You watch a burger cook all the way <laughs> until the credits are over. I think it's a real good sequence. <laughs> it was interesting. I liked I made me that hungry. Looks like, a, looks like a good burger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a good burger. <laughs> All right, so now, as always with Copycat Cinema, we have each chosen a side. We're going to debate that side. German, uh, why don't you go ahead and restate your first point? Right, my first point is that the dialogue is simply so much more natural, and just, it was funny, it was fresh, uh, it made kind of a silly movie feel appropriate and entertaining to watch. It went by so much faster, I was pushing through the howling man i was like oh am i still watching this movie <laughs> see i i enjoyed the vast just quantities of silence in the howling and the organs playing loudly <laughs> uh, a lot of organs playing a lot of sweeping shots of people on couches and in rooms <laughs> yeah joe dante as a director loves taking in the scenery or or visually directing you through the scenery before he starts a scene you see it a lot in gremlins too and a lot of his other films uh, but it, it's just like a lot of like sweeping up a couch. Oh, there's a leg on the couch. Oh, there's a lady on the couch. She's asleep. Like, oh God. <laughs> well, I'm sure he got better at it after this movie. He couldn't have gotten worse. So yeah, that was my first uh, point. Uh, all right. Well, 
my point for the howling is that there's more mystery in suspense in the howling because in American werewolf in London, he gets bit by a werewolf. You know, it's a werewolf. His friend comes back to haunt him. You know, something's wrong. You know, it's inevitable. But in the howling, there's that element of, you know, was Eddie a werewolf? And then, you know, you find out there's more werewolves and then the whole colony was werewolf and it builds and builds and the scenario gets bigger and bigger. And so the, the consequences and the stakes feel larger. And my counterpoint to that substantial in the howling. It's a great point, but I, the exact counterpoint to that is that I was it was so convoluted that there was so much going on that it was just unbearable. <laughs> so that's what made American Werewolf London so good is that it was a straightforward plot as opposed to all that well, going on. Well, I don't think your movie had nearly enough plots. <laughs> of course, um, I think any good movie needs at least four plots. Of course. Uh, my other point is that. Uh, Excuse me. The uh, the nurse was great in this flick. She has great agency. She was um, her own character, her own independent woman, her own apartment, her own job. And she was a good and she was the first person to say I love you or be emotional. That was all the guy doing that. So she was a great character. And it was a good example for women in a horror movie, I think. And she okay, survived. Yeah. She wasn't like the complete victim. Yep. And she survived and didn't die at the end of the movie. Uh, so I guess to you know, my biggest point for for the howling is you just got way more werewolf. There was a lot not of not not only in quality but also in quantity, uh, both in in count because there's a scene where they're in the car and there are at least in theory six or seven werewolves around them. That's where that budget went. Yeah, that's where that budget went. Uh, versus in the howling where you really only have one or two really. Uh, in, in American Werewolf right. in London. Right. You only have that with the one and then the one at the beginning. Uh, and then you have to wait the whole movie to only see it like twice. That's the, the great part of it because it built suspense going off the Joe Dante, not Joe Dante. Um, John Landis was friends with uh, Spielberg and Spielberg knew in Jaws when you have a limited budget, you can create great suspense by not showing the creature as much. And I think that was done really well in American Werewolf in London. To counterpoint yeah, your sure. point. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Uh, and so I guess my last point, my final point for the howling is that uh, it inspired way more sequels. That is than true. The, movie. the story in the, the, the tapestry of a world that it wove was so robust uh, that they could not fit it in one additional sequel, not even two, but it took three additional sequels. And what was the fourth one? There really was a fourth one. There was a fourth one, which is actually based off the same book that the first one is based off of. Have you seen any of them? No. <laughs> we should do that. <laughs> so they say that The Howling 4, it's based off the same book that the first one is based off of, but is much more true mm. to the book, the fourth one. Uh, so my last point would be my film had some great music licensing. Uh Everyone, every I mean, it surprised me with the like really popular, famous song he was playing. I'm like, whoa, okay, they afforded that. Uh, so that, <laughs> it kind of made it, it reminded you this is an American in London, played a lot of American music, but all every song was chosen specifically because it had the word moon in it. So that was very important to the plot. Ooh. And the sub, the, my last kind of point after that would be also the ending was um, surprising and great. Uh, just kind of ends very abruptly. He's dead. Looks at her, she's sad, looks back at his body, and roll credits. It was just like abrupt, but it was, it was no nonsense, straightforward. It was great. I loved it. 
You, you knew what happened at the very least. Yeah. You knew what the hell was going on. But, but here's my final question to you. How long did your transformation take? Because if it didn't take at least four and a half grueling minutes, <laughs> then it wasn't nearly long enough. It was a perfect minute and a half <laughs> or something. Well, you got to see Robert Picardo change for three and a half to four minutes, and he really acted the hell out of it. Oh, he did his best. <laughs> he did his best. <laughs> Apparently on set, when he would complain about being like a Yale graduate and just off Broadway, the cast and crew would just remark, well, next time read the script, Robert. <laughs> yeah, which is very true. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. That's what you signed up yeah. for. Yeah, you know why you're a no-name? Because nobody with a name would do this. <laughs> you should have known that. Uh, other things, uh, Rick Baker was originally going to do the special effects for The Howling, but he had to leave to do American Werewolf in London. So his assistant, Rob Botton, ended up sticking with the Howling. Uh, and then even more kind of crazy connections. Uh, as I said, Joe Dante directed the Howling. Rick Baker was really supposed to do it. Um, and then Rick Baker ended up working with Joe Dante and direct and uh, designing all the Gremlins for Gremlins 2. That's right. So he did all the creature design for Gremlins 2 later. And so Joe Dante and him did get to work together eventually. And the, there's a smiley face sticker that the serial killer uses, um, Robert Picardo's character, and that smiley face sticker appears in Gremlins. So the people think yeah, that they're in the same it's on universe. The they could be the same universe. Uh, also, Dick Miller, um, the guy who plays the old police officer at the beginning. Uh, God, there was at least one more. The uh, news anchor character from the small town uh, makes an appearance in Gremlins as the same character. So there's a lot of suggestion that they're in the same universe in some way, which is kind of fucked up. Uh, some trivia from American Wolf in London. Uh, it was the first film we said to win best uh, Academy Award for best makeup. Um, it's apparently Rick Baker claimed to have been disappointed by the amount of time spent shooting the face changing shot for the transformation after having spent months working on the mechanism. John Landis only required one take lasting about seven seconds. Baker felt he wasted his time until seeing the film with an audience that applauded during the seven second shot. So if it was any longer, it'd be too long. Um, so Michael Jackson loved the effects so much in this film that he wanted the same team that did the werewolf and everything to do his thriller video, which they did. John Landis directed the video as well. He did. Uh, the episode of the Muppet show that was playing was, uh, a show, uh, episode called Senor Wences from 1980. Uh, but <laughs> this portion of the show was never shown in the U S this is why Americans often assumed it was a fake episode and why Miss Piggy and Mr. Kermit, the fog, Mr. Kermit, the frog are credited. Um, huh. so yeah it was never aired in the US that portion of the show for some reason uh, the lead character was cast because he saw him in a Dr. Pepper ad and it shows hmm. <laughs> uh, for the love scene in the shower uh, the lead guy recalled that there are not a lot of showers in London so they had to build one for the shower scene between him and the nurse and it was really hard to regulate the temperature so it was freezing during that that, uh, that shower scene uh, they uh, do insult Prince Charles' sexuality in the movie briefly. So at the end, they have a heartfelt congratulations to Diana Spencer and His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, on their marriage. Ooh, <laughs> Just dark. dark. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Uh, Lee character spends 40% of the movie nude. 40%. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it took five hours to add the undead makeup to the friend, Jack, except the scene at the end at the porno theater where he was simply a puppet. 
which was fun. Right. <laughs> so this is all we have more copycat cinema stuff we could do with this because there were so many werewolf movies in the eighties. Uh, yeah, and even eighty one, we could do two more. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's true. There's Wolfen, uh, how the Team Wolf Howling Two. Uh, another kind of strange connection here. That, oh, sure. That sort of thread that runs through this whole thing is um, so Steven Spielberg makes Jaws. A few years later, a copycat director makes a movie called Piranha. That director was Joe Dante, <laughs> which is what first got Steven Spielberg's attention for Joe Dante. It's what got him the credibility he needed to make a larger budget film, The Howling, which he became known for doing these huge technical films. He stayed on budget and on schedule. Mm. Uh, that notoriety got him the job to direct Gremlins, which Steven Spielberg was producing. This movie got Dee Wallace her part in E.T. Oh, I didn't realize she was in that. Which Steven Spielberg did. Yeah, she played the mom in E.T. Uh, and then a few years later, went on to betray both of them when she was in the Gremlins ripoff Critters as the mom. She played the mom in E.T. and Critters? She did. That's D. Wallace. <laughs> Interesting. All because of Jaws. <laughs> and it's funny, this is actually in the IMDb trivia, but they made a Halloween Horror Nights maze for uh, Werewolf in London in 2013. And that was the last time I went to Halloween Horror Nights and I went through that maze and it was really good. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Yeah. So I, I hadn't remembered the movie very much, but the maze was scary as hell and it had the, the wolf break through the wall at the end and it was really creepy. So yeah, it's pretty mm. awesome. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed this werewolf, discu- werewolf discussion for our special Halloween episode uh, and bringing you back your favorite copycat cinema. And let us know who you think, think won think- the, the battle, who, which one of us won the debate. I mean, you, you've done this once before. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to concede that American <laughs> Werewolf in London is just the better movie. It, it really just, is. It just, the Howling is fun. It's a very different kind of film. Uh, and I will always like it because I, there's just a lot of Joe Dante in it. Right. He'll, he'll always be iconic to me because of Gremlins and Small Soldiers and, and those movies and the Burbs. And, and you get to kind of see him in his early stages here. And so that's, that's fun for me as a, as yeah. a fan. And there was, I have to mention, uh, American Werewolf in Paris, uh, made in like the '90s, I believe. But I, I don't, I saw it in theaters and don't remember much more about it. Um, and uh, then, very dark. That's what I, that's what I remember about it. Very yeah. dark. And they were going to remake. Uh, Max Landis, John Landis's son, was going to write and direct the remake of American Werewolf in London, but uh, recent scandals with him uh, being outed in the Me Too movement, he's probably not going to do that anymore. So I think it's probably dead in the water at the moment. So ah, yeah, that's the end of that. All right. Well, I think that takes us on to some trailer reviews. Whoa. Here at A Play on Nerds, we have spent years refining our exclusive trailer rating system. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. To burn it Fahrenheit 451 style. And second from the bottom, we have We'll See. Maybe the trailer was too short. Maybe it was cut oddly. Or maybe we don't know what the hell we just watched. Uh, we'll see. Up next, we have Give It a Buck. Whether you hit a red box, a dollar movie theater in the bad part of town, or a cheap online rental, give this movie a buck and enjoy it without breaking the bank. And at the top of our rating system, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. The wallets have been charmed out of our pockets, and we are ready to make our hard-earned cash disappear. And that's our patent-pending trailer rating system for A Play on Nerds. I'll say right now, I don't think we have any uh, shut up and take my monies right now. 
this uh, week. Yeah, I feel like we haven't in a, in a while, actually. Yeah, it's been a, a dread, a dead sea of trailers for a while now. Uh, so let me, I'll talk about Solus, which was my pick this week. It all happened so fast. I didn't know what to do. The explosion blasted open the hall. I'm drifting with limited power and no control. I'm flying completely blind. Does anyone copy? I can hear you. Who is this? This is Hathor 18. Hathor 18. Good. Okay. Uh, Who am I speaking to? This is Commander Roberts. Coordinates. Give them to me. I just don't have any coordinates. I need coordinates, Holloway. Okay, but I don't have any coordinates, Commander. Give me something. Describe what you see. How about space? That's what I see. Your rapid departure from DEC has propelled you straight for the sun. We're coming for you. I need you to call home. I need to tell her I'm sorry. What is it? The cabin window. What about it? There's a crack. I should be able to intercept you before significant radiation exposure. It's not going to work. I'll be going too fast. This lifeboat has no airlock. The propulsion and thruster systems are down. I'm sure all Control cares about right now is their insurance policy. I'm going to get you home. Yeah. I'm dead anyway. Don't you dare let go! Don't you ever let go! So, that's Solus. Uh, So it's about a guy in some sort of space accident who gets tossed towards the sun and is trying to figure a way out before he plunges into the sun. Uh, And this kind of looks like like an amalgamation of ten other films I've seen in the last two or three years. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like, oh, it's a one-person film, kind of like Moon was. Um, one actor uh, trapped somewhere, and you know, we saw this in Gravity. Probably that movie Life. I didn't see it, <laughs> but um, yeah, likely, likely <laughs> that movie. Life. <laughs> exactly. Uh, stuck in space, save me. Yeah. Oh, countdown until total disaster. And yeah, I don't give it. I don't get it, and I don't care. Like, I won't go see this movie. I won't even give it a buck. I'm sorry. Well, that's the thing is it has an actor I like, Stephen Ogg. Uh, didn't know his name, actually, but he's been a character actor in a lot of stuff. Um, he played Negan's right-hand man in The Walking Dead for a long time. And yeah. people really liked him in that role. I thought Some people thought he was even better than Negan. Um, but he just shouldn't be shoved into this film as a lead actor this quickly. It's just, just like a solo standalone kind of thing. It's just not... Right. It's weird casting, weird choice. Um effects look great but i don't care so just uh so i'm gonna say uh, burn it and throw it into the sun <laughs> let it let him go into the sun i'm giving him one chance i'm gonna give it a we'll see like if i hear any like oh it's surprisingly really good but i'm doubting it and it's probably just gonna suck but that's solace guys aren't you glad you heard that trailer <laughs> yeah now for another one we're probably marginally more excited about pet cemetery spelled wrong so many trees. It's beautiful, right? That's definitely not Boston. Here we go. Okay, so, what do you think? Wow, this whole place is ours? I even got him to throw in a whole forest as a new backyard. It was a myth. Kids used to dare each other to go into the woods at night. They knew the power of that place. They feared it. 
those woods belong to something else. The ground is bad. God! Maybe just some crazy folk tale. But there is something up in those woods. Something that brings things back. Sometimes dead is better. All right, so that's Pet Cemetery, which the original uh, was in the eighties, I think, right? Uh eighties or late seventies, one of the two. Right. Uh it it's a story you know. We literally have seen the movie before. Um <laughs> it, it looks like there's a little bit more culty kind of stuff, possibly, right than in the original, but maybe I'm just not remembering the original well enough. It has good actors, uh, John Lithgow and Jason Clark. I'm not a huge fan of Jason Clark, yeah. but I love John Lithgow. Yeah, me neither. He after everything from Terminator on was kind of a disappointment. Right. Um but he was good for a little bit there. Yeah, he's not a bad actor. I just don't really like him that much. <laughs> uh but John Lithgow. Yeah. Hey. You always need a bedraggled, crazy old man in a horror movie telling you about things. But it's gonna be the story we're expecting. Cat dies, they bury cat, they realize cat comes back, cat's evil, kid dies, bury the kid, kid comes back, kid's evil. Classic like that old chestnut. <laughs> like, but the thing there's, uh, it, it is an old chestnut because the old movie's a classic, right? <laughs> kind of a campy a classic, problem. I guess. So maybe, maybe they'll take a huge left turn and go in a direction we are not expecting. So the trailer was exactly what they wanted us to see. Why is cemetery not, spelled wrong? Maybe. Wait, Wait, how's it spelled? They spell cemetery S E M A T A R Y. A cemetery is spelled with a C, so I don't know why they're, maybe it's just like the, the sign spelled wrong, and that's why it's, they call it that or something. Yeah, I'm going to bet that's exactly what it is. It's something from the book. I can almost guarantee it. Probably. But anyways. Uh, uh, this one, I'll give it a give a, uh, give it a buck. Same here. Give it a buck. Just out of morbid curiosity to see what they do with it. It's pretty morbid. Ah, it's a cemetery. Ah, ah spooky. <laughs> so um, sorry, that's the best trailers we could scrounge up that we haven't already covered that are out right we're now. We're coming up to Oscar season. It'll get better. Well, uh, so that takes us on to some radical recommends. recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right. So uh, this week I have daredevil season three i know a big reach no one's ever heard of that um but uh i was pleasantly surprised after being like bored by iron man iron man iron fist two season two and being okay with uh luke cage season two um well everyone felt the same because they both now are canceled i know which i'm hoping they'll come back as the uh heroes for hire the two of them in one series together and that's why they're tricking everybody but uh, but yeah, Daredevil season three was a lot of fun. Great action sequences, good drama, great acting. Um, some people think uh, without giving anything away that he whines too much about Catholicism and guilt and God and stuff, but it gets past that. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of cool revelations and you have the return of Kingpin, which is not any kind of spoiler. Uh, he's in all the trailers and yes, he is. he's fantastic in this season. So uh, I think it's it's great. This they, they did a really good job. Better, better than season two. On par with season one. Okay. So what? Uh, well, to add to our Netflix sponsorship, uh, my <laughs> radical recommends is the new and highly pushed Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. 
Oh, yes. Very highly pushed. So it was good. So um, I didn't realize they were remaking Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> it's that's happen. what it is. Um, <clears throat> it's a dark take. Apparently, it's much more based off of the comic that Sabrina is based off of. Hmm. Um, but it's the story and elements, you know, from the Sabrina, the teenage witch show that we all grew up with. Um, but dark, gritty, they're real witches. They're really in a pact with the devil. There's right. a witch society. Everything that was sort of hinted at in a small joke in the show has been expanded. Um, and it really has created an interesting universe. The lead actress in it is spectacular. Um, the supporting characters are great. I've I've we're only I think three episodes in and both Anne and I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Wow, I would have thought it would have been cheesy, so that's good to hear. Uh they keep it there are a few cheesy moments where they are clearly paying service to the original. Like there are those moments, you know, like in a Terminator film when someone says, I'll be back. You know, there's those kind of moments. But in the show is really trying to pave a way for itself that isn't the Sabrina the Teenage Witch we know by any so. means. It's, yeah. a complete, it's a completely different show. Yeah, because a couple mentions is understandable. You'd want that for the fans that and are like back. and like the characters have a same name. Her name is Sabrina. Her boyfriend's name is Harvey. Is that what the original is like? And Aunt Hilda and Zelda. You know, the, these elements are the same. She has a cat named Salem, but beyond that, there's really not a whole lot. Gotcha. So, I say check it out. It I, we we are thoroughly enjoying it. Nice. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the remake of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So adults and kids enjoy it or just an adult show? Um, While there is not any super overt sexuality um, or really any major language kind of stuff there, you know, it deals with demons and making packs with the devil. So I could see why a parent might not want a kid watching it, but there isn't anything implicitly terrible. It's like 13 and up, maybe. Yeah, maybe a PG-13. Okay, not bad. Well, that brings us to a little thank you section. Do we have a thank you section thank this week? You for we do. Being a This week, we have the return of my good friend, Josh, who listens to our episodes still. I can't believe you're still with us. Thank you so much. Uh, he said of our last episode, the podcast sounded better than I expected based on your intro comments. Yes, we've had some issues with overmodulation. I don't even know yet if this episode's doing it because I can't tell while we're recording. So I hope it's not where it like kind of pops and overmodulates. But he said it sounded better than he thought. Um, he couldn't really tell that, that that much. So great. I hope this episode's yeah. better. Uh, he said Euroband or Smut Search was a thumbs up emoji. Uh, so he liked that. He said he got I'll fi- take it. He said he got five or six out of ten. It was really hard. Uh, better than German. Yeah, it's a lot better than I did. Uh, <laughs> and he says, Puppets, what fresh hell is this? So I, I I still can't reveal what the puppet thing is about, but I'm gonna leave you on the hook. You never know what this puppet thing's gonna be about. So That's right. I don't think I didn't tell you last time either today. No, you didn't. I'm still excited to know. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, well, well, thank you, Josh, for sticking with us. And hopefully you enjoy the Halloween episode as well. Yes, absolutely. And we'll probably be back with you uh, in about about a week, maybe a week and a half, because I'm going on a three or four day cruise for uh, a guy's bachelor party. A friend of mine, Danny, he's getting married. He's in my D&D group. Uh, so we're just going on a short cruise uh, right out of Cape Canaveral, which is about an hour and a half away from me. Uh, oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, a little Caribbean roundabout booze cruise. 
uh, mostly playing D&D and board games while we're on the cruise. It's probably going to be raining, so we're just some eating food, drinking, and playing board games. So it's going to be a lot oh, of fun. Oh, that sounds like a good time. Yeah, it'll be great. So maybe about a week and a half, you'll see our next episode coming around. Yeah, but we won't keep you waiting too long. Yeah, not uh, at all. So this has been our Halloween special, Copycat Cinema, American Werewolf in London versus The Howling. Thank you for joining us. We will keep coming back to you being your nerdy co-hosts if you keep coming back to us and being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?